Hello everybody, Michael Ork, the Garden Guy here. I'm gonna ask you to pay attention because we're gonna get our vegetable gardens ready for this coming spring. Stick with us. everybody it's season one episode 33 it's planning your mike veggie garden no 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 i did planning a perennial garden what well, it's not veggie time yet you're all right god are you all right i mean yeah well, you can do either or i'd like you though to first of all pay attention to what you're going to be eating versus what you're going to be looking at perennial gardens we can discuss in a little bit what I'm going to ask you to do, though, is focus and not to strain yourselves. I know that this is, you know, winter, midwinter, even though, you know, the Midwest is having kind of a mild, iffy winter in itself. I'm going to ask you to start paying attention to uh, getting your garden going for this coming season. And you're going to ask me why? Well, I, I kind of... All right, I'm waiting for it. I think I kind of know but, why, because at the garden center last spring, we were... I mean, the seed packets sold out in no time. It was crazy. I mean, it, yeah. there was nothing left even in mid, early June, I would say. See, this COVID thing is causing people, not causing, but it's leading people to go toward doing things, knowing what they're going to be putting into their children's stomachs, uh, into their own stomachs, what they're going to be eating. Uh, basically, I think there's an awakening amongst the people, the population in this, you know, entire United States, let alone the world, about, okay, what exactly am I putting into my mouth for my system? I mean, uh, you, you don't know. You're relying on the FDA. You're relying on the EPA. You're relying on all of these bureaucracies to make sure that you have healthy food. Well, you know, uh, the... Tomatoes that you're going to be getting this spring slash early summer, if you're getting them right now, try to find out where they're coming from. I can guarantee you they're not coming from, well, let's put it wholesome. FDA requirements are probably met, but a lot of them are coming from this country. Look at the oranges that you're getting right now. Where are they coming from? Those little itty-bitty tangerines or whatever you want to call them. Those suckers are coming from, some are coming from Florida, some are from California, a lot of them from South America. Now, uh, there's a lot of regulations that they don't have to follow there. But uh, let's get back to, you know, you're running out of seed at the garden center. And why? People generally want to make sure that they're, they're, they're growing their own food and knowing what they're putting into it. Well, I think it's... So, uh, hold on. I think it started as a time-consuming project for the kids during the initial shutdown. And then, peop and then people started thinking, well... Hey, th this is actually benefiting me. It's a twofold thing. It's keeping the kids entertained, and now I'm getting a healthier, better uh, garden out of it. So I think that's people. Uh, I think they're going to continue this year too. Now that they've made the investment into a you know a raised bed or something. Well, yeah, I agree with you totally. Yes, it is part of an education and entertainment thing, keeping the kids busy. I mean, come on, now we as adults kind of get a kick out of it too. You're watching what you put down into that little soil by the window and that whether it's a milk container, a, a Dixie cup, or even a, shoot, you can go to the garden centers of the hardware stores and get what they call peat pots, P-E-A-T pots. And you can get soilless soil, it's potting soil. 
put it in there. Make sure you got a tray for when you're misting them. I don't want you to water them, but that's something I'll get into right away. I mean, after I want people to basically focus on the area that they're going to be growing. Are they going to be doing it in the ground? Are they going to be doing container growing? Understand that certain seeds will germinate faster than other seeds. I want you to understand that certain seeds, you're going to get thousands of them. Whereas, let's say if you're going to do watermelon, sweet corn, whatever, you're only going to get a few. But there are certain ones that I don't want you to start right now. I definitely do not want you to start the watermelon now. I don't want you to start your sweet corn now. Scott, you're supposed to ask me why. And, and why would you not want me to start that right now, Mike? Because if you read on the back of the package, the germination, the time span for germination on, the, on these plants is going to be basically something that I don't think people understand. If by any chance you put a sweet corn seed into the ground right now, within about 10 days, it's going to be about six inches tall. In about two weeks, it's going to be a foot, foot and a half. Are you going to be able to put it out in the middle of February to go ahead and grow? No. Of course not. You can try to do it indoors. But see, that's, that's one of the things I want people to understand. That uh, look at the back of the package. Basically, plan your garden out. So that's I mean that's what, what we're it, really going after today. Is start you know don't hightail it to the garden center right now and pick up seeds that you, Mike says I have to have. No, no, no. This is more of uh, get your ABCs one, two, threes, ducks in a row. Your uh, a, maybe a map if you know corn takes seventy three days to come in and and so back time your calendar and, and mark down I need to start planting my corn on May 7th for you know the germination time that type of thing right. is what Just, we're going for today to give you an idea I, there's a chart that's on there the germination according to temperature of your soil Basically, since we're in the middle of the winter time, we're just go well, let's just go at 40 uh, 30 32 degrees. You know it's going to be cold and frozen. Um, time for germination is going to take probably 120 days until it thaws out. Now, on regular corn, temperature, let's say your sweet corn, all right? Okay. That in itself, when, when, when you want to do your sweet corn, when your ground temperature is, say, 70 degrees, 66, 70 degrees, the germination is going to take about 10 days, two weeks. Uh, you'll be harvesting that by, well, knee-high by the 4th of July, you're going to be ready for summer. But 14 days, I mean, you're talking, you're not going to, you're just going to be killing it. You're going to be preventing yourself. You're going to get frustrated. You're going to get all sorts of things that you don't want to do. Go online. First of all, draw or write down something, what you want to grow. Tomatoes? Do you want to do onions? Do you want to do carrots? Do you want to do beets? Do you want to do potatoes? And then look up the germination time online on how long this is going to take. For instance, I'm not going to recommend you do, if anything is going to be good to grow in March, don't try to plant them indoors. For instance, onions, don't do it. You can, but I'd rather use the onions and put them out in the ground at the end of March. Usually they want you to go after St. Patrick's Day, but if we have a weird Midwest winter and the ground is still full of 10 feet of snow, you're not going to put it out there. Yeah. As soon as you're able to work the soil... Go ahead and put your your potato seed potatoes in there. Go ahead and put your radish seeds in there. Go ahead and put your onions in there. Those are cool weather plants that are going to love what you're being you're putting them out in the ground. And it'll also get you outside and do something constructive. I am not going to recommend you start your tomatoes indoors and you put them outside at the end of March. The best time to go ahead and do your tomatoes is to start them about maybe the end of February, first part of March. 
and then plant them outside after the threat of a killing frost is over here in the Midwest. Now, mind you, I don't know, Scott, do you remember what we dictated when the threat of a killing frost is over in the Midwest? When it is? Yeah, when the threat is usually over. It's, it's, don't that's you, gonna be, you, you always say something about, after, with the, the guy's voice, after the second full moon in May or something like that. God, you were good in school. That's exactly right. If there's two full moons in May, you can plant everything outdoors without the threat of a killing frost after the second full moon. If there's only going to be one full moon in May, then you can feel comfortable putting it out right after the full moon is over with. Sure, you're going to have frosts. It's going to be sporadic, but it's not going to be the killing frost that we're used to after we put everything in. So start your tomatoes. You can do that at the end of February and then the first part of March to get things growing. I want to say here is that, you, I mean, we're jumping to, you know, the various plants and, and planting times. But, I mean, the first thing that people are going to be doing now is sitting down, like you said, kind of drawing a map of what they want laid out, how much space it's going to take. Um, you know, if you buy a, a packet of seeds with 100 of them, you may only use 50. But you, you just need on paper right now to figure out when and where and how the sun and your soil is going to be affected. Well said. Here's a little easy, you know, one, two, three, I'd like you to do. First things first, if you can get outside and know where your garden's going to be, go take a couple of clumps of soil and get that test soil testing kit that we talked about. Yeah. Put it in there, send it in, get your soil tested. They'll be back with the information on telling you what you're lacking in the soil, or if you're not even lacking anything. If you had a previous season where it wasn't exactly the best, you know, production or harvest, yeah, have it tested. Where can we get those tests at, Scott? You can pick them up at your favorite garden center, especially Black Diamond. That's right. And all you have to do is just, you know, seal it, mail it, send it in. They'll send the information right back to you on what you're going to need to do to your soil. That's one thing. The other thing it's is... It's faster than yeah. a COVID test. <laughs> the results. Well, I, is it really? <laughs> well, yeah. She said 24, 48 hours once they get it in their oh, hands. Oh, is it? Yeah. Well, I thought yeah. they had instant... T- I haven't had... I just oh. had the antibodies test. And okay. nope, don't have the antibodies. But anyhow, the other thing is, yeah, if it's faster than that, within 24 hours, you'll have it online. You can always go online and see what you're lacking. You got any questions? Then get a hold of us, Scott and I at your Midwest Garden or go to your local garden center that knows what in the world they're talking about. Find out what you can get, where you can get it, and how you can get it. Because you now, the other th- you can amend you can amend the soil right now. Absolutely, you can go and put things onto it that'll percolate down into the soil that you were lacking. Unless it's totally frozen, then you'll right. get what they call a heavy rain or something, and it'll be it'll run off. If it's not totally frozen, if you've got bare soil right now, yeah, if you're lacking, let's say phosphorus. Put some in there. If you're lacking a little bit of uh, potassium, especially for your root-bearing plants like carrots and radishes, beets, then go ahead and put that down. Um, That'll be ready for when you're ready. Well, it'll be in there for when you're ready to go ahead and drop these things in the ground, like the seeds, too. Um, The other thing I want you to do is go out and check your tools. I mean, if you've got yourself some shears, let's say if there there are some pruners or that you're going to go outside... Go and get those. Take them to the handy shop or the any of these places, like the hardware place, that'll go ahead and sharpen these things for you. Make sure your shovel's all ready. Make sure the handle's doing fine. 
If you got a rototiller, send it in, get it tuned up, because the last thing you're going to want to do is to crank it about 72 times. If it's an electric start, the battery runs down, or your shoulder gets pulled out of socket. No, get this thing tuned up and get it ready so that you can go out there and do it. No, that's, and your neighbors are going to want to borrow it. Yeah, that's a good idea. All like you know, getting your tools ready because you know at the end of the season you're probably just maybe wiping them down and throwing them in. Well, yeah, it's time to do a little maintenance on those. I mean, if you got the itch and want to go do something, perf- two perfect things you can go do right now, and, and you're ahead of the game. Right, the soil testing, the tools. One more little item, you made mention of it earlier, and that's the uh, mapping out of the garden. It depends on the square footage that you're going to be needing. Now, I have a friend that wanted to go herbaceous this year. She ended up uh, planting her own. She just went hog wild planting a full package of uh, basil. Well, it totally encompassed her entire garden. She wasn't able to use or give away enough of that stuff, and it was basically a waste. So if you map, map it out... See where you're going to, where your sunshade situation is, where your early harvests are going to be, where your cool weather plants are going to be, versus let's say even your your sweet corn. Uh, sweet corn, you're going to be able, and your tomatoes. I mean, have plenty of room for both of them. You're, but you got to map it out and figure out where you're going to put it, and you'd be surprised. Seed, if you buy it now, when it's available, you don't have to use it all. Just seal it up properly in the package that it's in. Maybe get a clip to clip it two and put it into a breathing, let's say, paper bag. Don't put it in a plastic bag. Whatever moisture in the air is in there can rot them. So they can last for years and years and years. Archaeologists have been digging up seeds out of digs that that still germinate after 200-plus years. So, I mean, you can keep them. Don't. If there's any teachers that are out there, hang on to your seeds because, again, at least in the state of Ohio, I'm not sure what Wisconsin, I'm not sure what Michigan is, but they take the seeds back come about mid-August. They don't want you to sell any seeds. Why? There's a multitude of different reasons. I think it has to do with taxes. But in the meantime, the seeds are st- are definitely going to stay for you if you keep them properly. And you can use them for next year. Just make sure you write down on the paper bag what's in there and what kind. And I have another preemptive strike you can do. is When you go to the garden center's, and pick out your seeds, see if they have tomato cages in stock already. I remember last year, this whole area, obviously due to COVID and the the, the delivery issues, we were out of tomato cages all the time. I mean, they would come in. Now, why don't you define define what a tomato cage is? Because there's an awful lot of us out there, or them, or people that are out there, that, well, we could just stake it on a tomato steak, can't we? Well, you go from bamboo all the way, but see... I Go mean, ahead. We, Define it. Well, we had plenty of the bamboo-style ones, but everybody wants the uh, the cone, ice cream cone-shaped uh, triangle cylinder, um, you know, with like three rings that eventually get wider or narrower type of thing, depending on if you have it upside down. Anyway, but, you know, if you can grab some of those ahead of time, you know, think about how many you need, how many old ones you had that went bad, and, you know, just go take an inventory of your stock and, you know. I totally agree with you, and the reason I'm agreeing with you, which is not often, uh, the, the reason is is because people generally don't think about things like tomato cages until a tomato has already fallen over. Yes. And it's growing all over the ground. Right. Try to fit one of those into a shoe that's three sizes too small. It ain't going to work. 
Get them now so when you plant them, you've got the cages there. And they're all the plant can grow in and you can weave whatever you know stem is going to work its way in a weird direction without harming the plant at all. And I think you're going to like the return a lot better. Again, though, here's the thing. If you love tomatoes, you can plant as many of them as you want. But they need each tomato, regardless if it's a sweet cherry, a super sweet 100, a burpee big boy, a beefsteak, an early girl. I don't care what kind you're going to get. They're going to get at least three foot in diameter. And they can go as high as maybe five to six feet in height. So make sure you have plenty of room for it. Don't put 12 tomato plants in an 8 by 8 area. It's gonna, it, it ain't going to work. They're going to compete with each other, too, and they're going to knock each other out. Yeah. So if you only have a smaller area, get yourself the minimal amount of tomatoes and then put them in. And there's other things and other tricks that we can help you later on to get those things to produce like gangbusters for you. But for right now, only get what you think you're going to need, not what you're going to want. Mike, we did the kind of list. We did the mapping out of what we want to plant this year. We've got our tools into the shop, getting sharpened up, or ready to go. So we're building a like a. You know, I'm in TV. It's a back time when I want my tomato ready to pick from the vine. I say I want to eat it on July 1st, and it, if it takes 60 days, I got to plant it back 60 days. That's the day I think. So that's back timing. So we back timed a little bit of when you talked about doing some in March, but. Uh, what what can we do in April to add to our list of of things to plant? Most of the, you know, this is great because most of the plants that you can plant in early April are going to be most of your root plants. Like I barely touched on like carrots, beets, um, rutabaga, thing that's going to be growing below the ground. You can also do cool weather plants like greens, leafy vegetables like lettuce, cabbage, that sort of thing. Um, generally the frost isn't going to harm them. They're going to continue to produce for you, especially the big leafy greens. Um, but, but when it comes down to things like tomatoes, peppers, cucumbers, your squash, I'm going to strongly recommend you wait until the end of April, first part of May to go ahead and put those in the ground. Now, remember we did discuss briefly about the full moon and the killing frost for your tomatoes. Uh, the peppers and cukes, I would feel... Uh, do that about the same way. I don't want you to jump the gun. I want you to enjoy this thing. I want you to enjoy your gardening. Um, the peppers, the tomatoes, best time to do that. Feel comfortable. The end of April, first part of May, just keep an eye out on the weather report for a killing frost. My best bet is if it's after the first, uh, first or only moon in May, go ahead and drop them in the ground. Now, watermelon and squash, those are going to need a larger area for growth. Remember, you only have a limited area. If you can go put this in a certain area away from, you know, your standard garden, that would be best. If you've got little itty bitty people that want to grow, you know, watermelon, or if you have a yen for watermelon, or if you like your butternut squash, if you like, you know, any of any of the squashes, go ahead, but start those from seed. You can put those in at the end, middle to the end of April. No problem at all. The vine, it's not going to hurt. And by the time they start to flower for the fruit, it's going to be the middle of the end of May anyway. First part of June, you're going to be ahead of the game. You're going to be a happy camper. There's a lot of information on the seed pack as far as germinating and harvest time. And I've never really paid attention to the uh, little ID tags in vegetables 
uh, but, you know, at the garden center. I'm, I'm not up on my veggies. So is is there information like that on those ID Absolutely. tags? Absolutely. Now, they're, they're supposed to have all the information that you, now mind you, the key word is supposed to. Some of them are just going to tell you the size and the, the type of tomato it is, but most of them are going to tell you when harvesting is usually the, uh, going to occur. Most tomatoes will make it easy. On the back of the tomatoes, with the exception of things like the Sweet 100s or the uh, cherry tomatoes, your early girls are going to be, I would say, about 60 days, two months, basically after the time you put them in the ground when you're going to start to harvest those. But then you get to the, the better ones, the, the not better ones, but the, the, the larger ones, the more, let's say your paste tomatoes, the Romas, those are going to take about 72 days. Your burpy big boys are going to do about the same thing. Pull the tag out, take a look on the back, and it'll tell you from the time you put it in the ground to the average time it's going to take for you to have or find harvest uh, is going to average out to be about two and a half months for any of the above ground fruiting plants like your tomatoes or pepper. Oh, with the exception of some of the hybrids, the early girls, or the sweet one, those little cherry tomatoes, that's one of the other things. Your peppers are going to do about the same thing. They're going to grow about the same way as a tomato does, but if you're going with these different tomatoes, not tomatoes, peppers, that people are basically going after. I mean, there's elephant killers that are out there. Um, there's, there's I, me, I can't even tolerate anything warmer than a, well, I don't like jalapenos or jalapenos or whatever the proper pronunciation. Bell peppers I like, but those aren't a pepper. Peppers are going to grow at a different rate. Always pull the tag and look at the back and find out what, when, where, who, how, and why. Again, most tags, not all of them, are going to have all that pertinent information. If they don't, contact us, your Midwest Garden, or go on the internet and then look it up on an average. Remember, we're in the Midwest. Our growing season is going to be a lot later than somebody that lives in Georgia. Uh, it's going to be a lot later than somebody that lives in Cincinnati or even south of, uh, let's just say, the Mason-Dixon line. Of course. We're going to have a really unique season. So read the label, whether it's on the package of the seeds that you get and hang on to it, or pull the tab out of the pot and then read the back of it. It'll tell you about approximately when you're going to start munching on them. I'm sure a lot of people do this, but for the, the, the new folk who just build garden beds last year, my suggestion is to keep all the tags. I would. Keep, you know, keep one and build yourself a library so in the middle of winter, you can just go to your own library, find the tag, and say, oh, it needs 45 days or blah, 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 blah. Well, just have you seen those people that have taken the seed packets and put them on? They've got, the, you know, little stakes in the ground. Yeah. They look like uh, the tongue, whatever you want, suppressors or depressors. Right. And then they put their seed packet, empty seed packet, right on top of it. Right. Well, it's not just there to identify the plant or what seeds that you have there. Also, on the back of them, I don't want you to keep it outside in the wintertime. Maybe make a copy of it or go ahead and then just uh, cut the back off and tack the, the thing, the tongue suppressor and the, 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 the label from the uh, 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 seeds that you put into the ground. Right. Again, the only ones that I really want you to put into the ground outside are going to be the vining plants that are going to be fine or the root bearing plants. Again, your radish, your rutabaga, Carrots, things of that nature, potatoes, onions, things of that nature. Anything below ground, start from a seed. Anything above ground, you can start by putting the plant outside when the threat of that killing frost is over. So I think we're pretty well set on that. But I, right now, I want people to, you know, get your soil tested. 
I also want them to go ahead and get their tools taken care of. Right. And then if they want, map out their garden about, get an eyes, you know, you can draw it out if you want. Um, but you know it's going to change in another month from now. You're going to start thinking more and more of what you liked, what you want, what you need versus what's going to be pretty. Now, you can worry about your seeds like perennials or annuals a little bit later. But for right now, I really want people, especially with this COVID thing going on, to start focusing on what they're going to eat. Everybody's going to follow all those steps, map out the garden, get their tools in the shop or cleaned up and um, check out all their seed packets that they've kept from last year and check out the germination times and back time, all that. And then um, and get that soil tested, uh, probably number one on the list at this point, and uh, get that uh, soil amended. And, I mean, geez, I mean, that kind of, you know, for a January project, that pretty much wraps that up pretty easily. Um, well, I got one more thing for you, Scott, believe it or not. Okay, hit, hit You know us. that there's a, mul- there's a multitude of different soils that are out there right now. And with people going non-GMO, which stands for non-genetic modified organism, and people going organic, they want to go and they want, uh, it's becoming more of a trend than a fad. The soils that are out there with your organic ingredients that are in there are probably going to be the most important for you to do when you do what we call up canning. Seeds don't care what kind of nutrients are in the soil. The plant makes its own food. Photosynthesis means light processing. So when you start to get the leaves and when you transfer your plant from, let's say, an egg o container, a Dixie cup, a peat pot into a larger pot, then go with the organic soil so that it can start, you know, taking in the nutrients that are in the soils so that it can make its own food naturally. In the beginning, you do not have to have the most expensive soil in the world. Just get yourself the regular good old fashioned potting soil. Stay away from the potting soils that have those silicon pebbles in there that retain water. The reason I'm going to say that is because you'll get what they call root rot, especially during the gray days that we have. Most people are going to be putting their seeds out by a window. That's cool. Like you said, Scott, about the poinsettia, keep it away from directly being at the window, but it's going to be able to get the sunlight and have some warmth. You're going to be fine. When it comes to watering them, Get yourself an atomizer. It's one of those little misters that you can fill with water, spray it so that it saturates the soil. When the seedling starts to come up, periodically spray or mist the seedling. It doesn't need a whole bunch of water. So when you do put your seeds in the soil to start, get the cheapest, least expensive that you can, regular good old-fashioned potting soil. When you up can from, let's say, the flats that they're in, whether they're 32 or 36 cells, uh, you're going to go into a pot. When you put it into a container like the Dixie Cup and you want to go organic, make sure you go with these high-end natural products. And then keep them into that. You're going to probably do up canning one more time before you put them into the ground. And mm-hmm. then by that time, all those nutrients that you made mention of are already going to be in the ground. So you got a head start all the way around. Pre-planting and Dixie Cups and stuff, that, that higher-end soil is not going to kill your wallet because, I mean, it's a Dixie Cup size times yeah you're not going to use a bunch of it you're not going to use a bunch of it so it's not gonna you know like i said hurt what you have left over yeah what you have left over you can put it into the hole that you're planting them into the ground in so that they make a decent transition the other thing i just thought of was you know while you're at the garden center picking up those tomato cages early 
there's no harm in picking up like some tomato tone, which is uh, like as Christina on the Soil Kit episode said, it's more of a marketing name than it is anything. Tomato tone oh. will work for all vegetables. So Yes, it doesn't have to be the regular tomato. You right. can use it on everything. Right, and I'm just saying this only be, not because I want to make another like toilet paper run um, that COVID Whoa. 2020 was famous How did we for. go off on that? Well, okay. I mean, I, I, I'm saying this for people because I know how we had to pre-order stuff in order to get right. enough of it this year versus last year. So there's there's going to be plenty available because I I know stuff is coming in like now way early than we normally get it just because they want to make sure that everything gets delivered on time because the trucking industry is still uh, going gangbusters. Um, Anyway, so my point is, is there'll be stuff there, but, you know, if you're there picking up one thing, why not pick up, you know, some tomato tone just so you have it? It'll keep. It will keep. And that way, you know, if something does happen where your local garden center ran out of it, you're like, oh, wait a minute, I got a bag in the back. This is my... You know, well, my emergency and, uh, stash. Uh, it doesn't go bad. The other thing is, it's an Espoma product. The Espoma is the name brand. Right. Tomato Tone is the focus on the vegetables. They've got flower tone. They've got all sorts of other tones. There's an active ingredient in the Tomato Tone, or all the tones that are put out by Oh Espoma itself. The active ingredient is a natural ingredient, and it's called mycorrhizae. How mycorrhizae works? It's a bacillus. It'll work its way by percolating into the ground, into the soil, and it will attach itself to the feeder roots. What it does, it's going to be like, there's a, there's a symbiotic relationship between the mycorrhizae and the root system and the plant. It's going to attach itself to the plant at the root base, the feeder roots, and it's going to expound. They're going to expand the root system. But what the mycorrhizae does, it breaks down the nutrients that the plant generally isn't able to access, and it force feeds that into the plant. It's going to be like the plant's going to be on natural organic steroids. In other words, you're going to be able to allow the plant to make its own food at its highest possible uh, capability with the best nutrients that you can possibly have in the fruit or the food that you're going to be bringing in to eat. Yeah, it's good stuff. Good stuff. Really good schmutz. Well, I think that pretty much wraps up our thought process in getting people to think about Start mapping out their gardens. Check your garage, your shed, the tools that are out there. They may need cleaning. Get your, you know, the rototiller. Sign up for one early. Get them. Make sure that it's all tuned up. Um, You've got your tools all taken care of. Test your soil, like you said, number one. Um, When it comes down to mapping out your garden, make sure that you go with the ones that you want and need the most of first. And then make room for any of the neat things like, you know, the sweet corn. No beneficial nutrients in there. It's just, you know, candy for the soul. Uh, the same is going to hold true for anything else like strawberries and that nat- those of that nature. The seeds to plant that you're going to be planting, make sure you list them out and make sure that you read the back of the package. And then there's seasonal seeds that you can play with, one of which is going to be, you know, starting in March all the way through June. That going to do it for you? Yeah, and I one last quick thought is, you know, depending on location of your garden, if it's not in a great position for something you want to grow as far as sunlight and all that, and you got a buddy 
you know, do some trade-offs. Hey, you plant corn this year, I'll plant this, and we'll, you know, trade it off. Oh, there's, I mean, there's you're those, a man after my heart. There's those That's sharing beautiful. clubs all over the place, you know. I mean, you could, well, heck, you could search, uh, you know, Facebook for, you know, like, input your city here, you know, vegetable sharing club, and they'll pop up. You just put a damper in my you know, a, a parade because I wanted to discuss that uh, for something like on our next couple of programs. Another one is, you know, container growing for people that live in condominium complexes or when they have um, the, what do they call those? The, the housing administrations or I, I don't know what they're called, but where they don't allow people to have gardens in their backyard. Container growing is great. And you can strategically plant things, things that we're going to be coming up with aren't just for somebody that's got a plot of land in their backyard that they want to drop it into the ground and go from there. There's a number of different ways that you can go about doing this. And that's what we're going to hit on, you know, as we keep going with this program. And another uh, episode concept I have here is, uh, I don't want to say landscape. I'm going to say, I'm going to say garden, even though it's not vegetable garden, but I'm going to say a new garden design. If there's some area that you want to tackle, um, you know, we've got about eight, 10 tips here for, you know, designing that area, you know, pulling out some of the old it, stuff and um, putting some new stuff in there and, and how to make it look good to 365. You're going to have spring, summer, fall and winter. And this way, like you said, the homeowner can do it his or herself or themselves, but they got to know certain things like the direction, what kind of soils where they live, things of that nature. And we're going to tap on that one too. Scott, we're going to have ourselves a boatload of things that we're going to be able to talk about, that we're going to need to talk about, that people are going to be curious about. And I can't stress enough, when there's any questions, it's better to ask the question before you do something and ask someone who knows. Okay, Mike, that's wrapping up episode 3-3. Hope everybody is uh, has already shut us off and has hit their... Uh, their drawing table. Well, if they haven't, they get into it right now. See you guys. Questions, go ahead and contact us. Scott's got the number. We got the website. We got the answers. And if we don't, we'll find them for you. We'll talk to you later. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening to your Midwest Garden. If you like today's conversation, please share this podcast with friends and family. And don't forget to click on the subscribe button so you won't miss any future episodes. Plus, if you have any show topics you'd like us to discuss, head on over to our sponsor's Facebook page, which is Black Diamond Garden Center, and message them your topic idea. For all of us at your Midwest Garden Podcast, I'm Michael Rourke, the Garden Guy. Hope you enjoyed today's conversation.